0: sleepcoolnow.com 1212
1: This is our number 1 of the world according to Zig podcast for this December 3rd 2017 My name is John Ziegler. I'm the host of the show where you can still get the truth about news, politics, media, sports, and culture from a true conservative perspective in this world turned upside down. And it's as upside down as it's ever been in so many different ways. Uh, And we'll get to as many as we can in this hour number one of the podcast. This might be the only hour. In fact, this probably will be the only hour of the podcast this week. I'll explain why there will be likely no hour number two uh, later on uh, during this hour number one, but it might be a, an extra extended hour, so it'll probably be more than uh, sixty minutes of analysis because there's so much going on, so much to talk about, and so much that I have to say about all of it. Obviously, the uh, the biggest uh, political story of the week, without a doubt, was the uh, plea deal reached by the former national security advisor of the United States of America, <laughs> Mike Flynn, who I told you uh, long ago was bad news. I told you I've been saying for over a year, well, or maybe longer than that, that the two people to look at here in this whole situation way back in the beginning of 2016 were Mike Flynn and Paul Manafort. I didn't know it was about Russia at that time, but those were the two guys I was like, wait a minute, how in the world are they so high up in the Trump campaign apparatus? Uh, these are weird. Dudes that seem to have a lot of bad about them, And uh, I think I've been vindicated on that on numerous levels. But uh, Flynn pled guilty on Friday within uh, Robert Mueller's special counsel investigation into the entire Trump-Russia affair. To what extent that is, we still don't know. I'll have some thoughts on that in just a moment because there's two different worlds on that. And I'm not sure which one I belong in anymore. But with regard to Flynn... It was, you know, somewhat of a shock that uh, he had pled guilty in a very dramatic fashion, because the implications of that are rather profound. The implications of that are that he has flipped on President Donald Trump, and you know everything about his plea deal certainly is consistent with that, and because the reality is what he pled to was a fairly minor crime. I mean, it's not insignificant. He's lying to the FBI about uh, interactions he had with Russia after Trump was elected president of the United States. That timing is important here. Now, in you know, the rational world where people are trying to read the tea leaves, and I get about reading the tea leaves. I get it. I understand it. Especially, you know, It's the only thing we can do because we don't have a whole lot of solid information. So everyone wants to read the tea leaves. And I totally get the idea that, well, come on. We know that Flynn was vulnerable on a whole series of criminal situations. And for him to do a plea deal where he pleads only guilty to lying in one count of uh, deceiving the FBI, that's a hell of a deal. That's a hell of a deal, right? I mean, assuming that anything close to what we believe is uh, the case with regard to Mike Flynn is actually true. And you have to remember that, you know, while this investigation has been going on for a while, it it hasn't been that long. And this thing apparently went down pretty darn fast. So, you know, for somebody like Flynn to plead, I I think this has been a little bit underestimated, uh, especially by the Trump fans. The the idea that you're going to plea to lying to the FBI right there shows there's a heck of a lot more going on. Because that's a difficult thing to prove. Now I realize in this situation there might be, you know, recordings or surveillance or what have you, intelligence that could be used against him to prove that. So it's not a normal situation where you know a phone call wouldn't be recorded or whatever. There wouldn't be a record of it. I get that, but you know, for you to plead to something like that so quickly, it's a pretty strong indication. One that they have good evidence, and two, there's a heck of a lot else. That you're vulnerable to, that you're happy to get off the table in exchange for your pleading guilty. So I get all that. I, I understand the logic. But of course, the, this you know, the big question is how much more was there, and what's he getting in return? What's he giving in return? Is he giving up Trump? Is he is he going to bring down the whole administration? I mean, in his statement, he did say that he's decided good of the country. That, to me, was by far the most interesting line. Now, what does that mean? What does for the good of the country mean? Obviously, the anti-Trump people in this country all looked at that and said, he realizes that Trump is bad for the country and he's going to bring Trump down. Well, maybe that's possible. It's also possible that... He thinks there's some other interest for the country in getting this thing settled, that getting it over with, that he's going to pay you know, for his crime, not very much, maybe a few months in prison, who knows, maybe less, and get you know, his version of the truth out there, and then we go from there. That's one of the very many things that we just don't know yet. We just don't know. No matter how many people will tell you they think they know, they don't they just don't know. I will acknowledge that it makes sense. It makes sense that the reason why Flynn got such a sweetheart deal is because he's giving up something big. But then we get what happened with Brian Ross. And I wrote a column about that which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com, which you know, I I think pretty much nails it even though I don't ha- I don't come to a, to a definitive conclusion. Because what Brian Ross did with his report, very dramatically stating that Flynn, for the good of the country, will be testifying that Trump, as a candidate, instructed him to make contact with the Russians. That report was huge on Friday. My God, they they actually interrupted The View, a producer interview, interrupted The View and gave Joy Behar... The uh, the report from Brian Ross and she read it without any vetting whatsoever on the air live and the audience went bananas like they had all been invited to Prince Harry's wedding or something. I mean it was it was you know
0: it just flat out ridiculous
1: and uh, and it turns out that was false and Brian Ross ended up getting suspended for a month without pay. Now when I heard the report, I I will say and I. I, I didn't tweet anything about this or ma- mention it on Facebook. I think I mentioned it to my wife, which doesn't really count, but it did it, it happen. <laughs> there was something weird about the way he said it, that when he said as a candidate, he didn't emphasize the as a candidate part as strongly as I would have thought that he would do so if it, If it was known to be true, or if he was, if he was really confident about it, or if if that was even what he was really reporting, because that's the key part of this. I get that there's problems as president-elect during the transition. I, I get that that doesn't get the Trump administration totally off the hook. There's there's the Logan Act and you know that business, but that's nowhere near the same magnitude as the implications of that if this is occurring with Trump as a candidate, meaning before, you know, November of 2016, before he's elected president. There's, there's a whole series of implications of that. And part of the the implications are that if that was true, it, it brings down (laughs) the house of cards that would be a pack of lies being told by everybody close to Trump. See, so it's not just, you can't just look at this in a vacuum. If, if, if what Flynn was going to testify to was what Brian Ross reported he was going to testify to, <laughs> there's a whole series of domino effects. And it, it would be logical to think, okay, Trump's toast. It's over. Because that means everything we've been told is a lie, and that's all going to come out. And, I, and there's only one reason why you'd be lying to that degree. You're, you're hiding something huge. And you know Trump's going to get impeached and probably removed from office eventually if all that was true, but it wasn't. It turns out that it was not as quote-unquote a candidate, but as president-elect. Now, I can actually see a theory where, uh, although I don't think this is the case because I'm not sure he would have been suspended for a month, who knows, but I can certainly see in theory where Brian Ross got a little confused in his head as to, all right, president-elect versus candidate, because he's not president yet. And so I can, I can see a scenario where the word candidate seeps into his language because he was not reading when he gave the report. At least I don't think he was. But that's neither here nor there. The reality is, this report got wide coverage and it turned out to be false. And in my view, this handed a huge win to Donald Trump on a day that should have been a massive loss by any measure, no matter what Flynn has. I mean, your former national security advisor. <laughs> pleads guilty to lying to the FBI while doing his job for you in a way that implicates you uh, in in what happened, uh, that's, that's a bad day as president of the United States. For a normal president of the United States, it would be devastating. But for this one, it's just another really bad day. But it's nowhere near as bad as if what Ross had reported was true. And now because... Trump has been lying about this being fake news for all this time, which is a total lie. I mean, even Shepard Smith and, you know, Andrew Napolitano on the Trump News Network, the state-run Fox News Network, they've been saying over the last uh, couple days, okay, this is no longer fake news for sure. The the fake news canard has been exposed as the fraud that it is. But since he's been using the fake news canard for so long— and his cult is now trained to believe that it's fake news, Brian Ross played right into that narrative perfectly. Trump couldn't have asked for anything more. In fact, Trump t- tweeted about it. Uh, I think it was today, this morning, this Sunday. And so he's he's thrilled that that's what happened because it helped get him off the hook uh, And from the perception standpoint. Now, what's the reality? I'm not sure. I, I'm really not. I mean, I... I have to say that, you know, like everybody else, expectations are everything in life. And so once you start to have the expectation that what Flynn's plea deal meant was that he was going to testify against Donald Trump as a candidate that he directed him to with Russia, that's a a whole different ball of wax, and then you start thinking about that photograph with Flynn having dinner with Putin in Russia and a trip paid for by Russian TV and all the other crazy contacts with Turkey that Flynn has. And you're thinking, my God, this whole thing, it's like OJ-level evidence of what happened here. But then when you pull that out, then you start to think, well, wait a minute. Is there a completely different narrative here? Is, there, is this a situation where a bunch of morons started lying about something that never really happened because they were afraid of something else. Or maybe that something else was just pissing off their boss or, or who knows? I mean, we could just have a high level of incompetence here and some coincidences, a lot of coincidences. It's hard for me to get around the lying. The lying part is the hard part for me. I mean, there's been so much lying by so many people that's so blatant that I still believe that there's got to be something much larger here that they're protecting. Or is this another classic situation where there was a, you know, a, a cover-up of a crime that didn't actually happen? And by the way, I'm not even that worried about whether collusion with Russia is a crime. There's differing theories about that. Guys, ladies, whoever's listening to this, the, the reality is this, and this this bugs the crap out of me among many things from the Trumpsters, It wasn't a crime. It wasn't a crime. Hold on a second. Here's the problem. (laughs) If the collusion theory is remotely true, we've got a situation where our president is beholden for his election to an adversarial power in Russia. I don't give a shit if that's illegal or not. (laughs) That is wrong and that is impeachable because that is a direct threat to the national security of the United States of America, not to mention setting a, a horrific precedent of epic proportions. So, you know, I don't get too much into, okay, is what law did he break or whatever? No, the, the, the reality is if there was direct collusion between Russia and the Trump campaign uh, 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 and to help him win, uh, then that's a massive, massive scandal and a big problem. And he should be removed from office if that's ever proven. But are we going to prove that? I have no way of knowing. And you know, part of, in the big picture, taking this out of the details for a second and looking at the big picture, as somebody who, you know, is certainly (laughs) exceedingly prone to taking the the uh, contrarian view of things and who tries to determine his opinion based solely on facts and logic, uh, when I look at this, one of the things that concerns me from the anti-Trump standpoint is the idea that a lot of almost all, almost all of the conjecture and the speculation about what, Mueller, what Robert Mueller has is based in a couple things. One, confidence in Robert Mueller as a person, which I can get. Okay. He's got a good reputation. Seems like a solid guy. Seems like a smart guy. I get that. But, it's, but let's be clear. Almost all of what's going on, especially on Twitter, I mean my God, there are people who tweet constantly with thousands and thousands of retweets about speculating regarding what Mueller's going to do, and it's all based in confidence in Mueller as a person if if uh you know some lesser former FBI director like Louis Free, the fraud that he is was uh, in charge of this. I don't think the speculation would be nearly as rampant because people, if they know Louis Free, know he's a complete buffoon, a whore and a fraud. So because Mueller is considered to be, you know, such a guy of intelligence and, and integrity, people are presuming, well, he's got to know what he's doing and he wouldn't be taking us down this path unless something was real. Okay. But that's a little bit dangerous because there's another scenario. You know, maybe this is what we're seeing is pretty much the end game. Maybe this is effectively face-saving that this is really all he could get, and he's going to get a few convictions, a couple of plea deals. You know, and and see what happens with Manafort, and therefore he can say, "Well, look, I mean, we got convictions or and indictments on some top people here, so this was worth looking into." But we never got anything with regard to direct collusion or anything directly involving the president, Uh, and so you know. I've concluded my investigation, and and that's that, and let's move on as a country. I mean, that's plausible. I'm not saying that's probable, but that's plausible. And what makes it more plausible in my mind is that it always makes me very, very nervous when the when people are interpreting nebulous facts in a way that perfectly meshes with what they want to believe, that really makes me nervous because all of the people who are leading this narrative are people who really, really, really want Trump to go down. They really, really want Mueller to give it to him. And so they're interpreting all of this, all the smoke through that prism now that doesn't mean they're wrong, but it should give you cause for pause, and it's given me cause for pause because I might be one of the few people, you know, and I've been very op- open about this. I've been nudging, nudging, nudging closer and closer to Trump is guilty here, and you know he will be impeached. I don't know if he'll be removed from office, but so there was some level of collusion, and uh, and he definitely obstructed justice. And that's where I've been going. I haven't concluded that yet, but that's the, the direction I've been slowly but set, steadily going towards. I had to be—I'm probably one of the few people who maybe took a step back from that because of the Flynn plea. I know I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a contrarian by, by heart, but it's partially because I, the conventional wisdom has no positive impact on me at all. In fact, sometimes it has a negative impact because the conventional wisdom is almost always wrong. Especially in in stories like this, where people are influenced by what it is they want to believe, which I think is a really very dangerous set of circumstances, especially with so few known facts that are real. And so, again, I don't know what my percentages are. I'm probably still above 50% that there's something very big here and that Trump will, in fact, be impeached over it. I think the obstruction of justice case has gotten stronger if only because of the president's own tweet. The president tweeted yesterday that, in explaining why he fired Flynn uh, that it was because he had lied to the FBI. Well, that's a big problem because if that's true, then that puts a completely different context on what he told FBI Director James Comey about letting Flynn go. That would fit the definition of obstruction of justice. Now the Trump story is, well... Uh, Trump didn't actually write that tweet, (laughs) his lawyer did, which that sounds like a whole lot of bullshit to me, just based on what we know about Trump. I mean, that doesn't fit his M.O. at all. Why this particular tweet, there's no need to have tweeted anything about this, you could have just shut up. What lawyer decides, you know what, we need to make a declarative statement about this for no apparent reason? I know there's been some speculation about the wording and the, with the, word, the use of the word pled versus pleaded, and I don't give a crap about that. I mean, the, 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 my gut tells me that that's not what happened. And, but what really happened here is that the lawyer is desperately taking the blame for what he acknowledges is a poorly worded tweet because otherwise that, if it's a statement from the president of the United States, that's an indication of obstruction of justice. And that's an impeachable offense, and that could end up, theoretically, if Republicans ever find their testicles, resulting in his removal from office, which I doubt uh, will ever happen again unless there's, you know, really massive evidence coming down the pipe. So, um, you know, so that, you know, that statement (laughs) might have actually been more damaging in the long run than what we currently know about Mike Flynn's plea deal, but that's, that's the essence of Trump. You know, that, that, you know, it's and and Trump is certainly somebody who, by the way, I I should point out since I'm kind of ripping the anti-Trumpers as only seeing what they want to see and only believing what they want to believe and seeing everything through that prism. Trump is the same way himself. I mean, Trump is a guy who now is saying that the Access Hollywood tape might not be real, at least in in private. He's been saying that. I mean, that's that's the way trump's mind works all i know is what's on the internet i mean it's it's just nuts you must be crazy when are you going to stop believing in something that isn't true well but see my thinking on trump's thinking has kind of evolved i now believe that there's a very good chance that trump is able to expunge from his memory things that he doesn't like i mean this is completely consistent with the idea that the access hollywood tape is now fake this is completely consistent with by the way a guy who notoriously cheats with on his golf scores because that's really what you're cheating you just pretend that shot didn't really happen i just it it, it shouldn't have happened so it, it didn't really happen so my mulligan is what's going to count here and uh, i now as crazy as it sounds i think sounds i now think there's a reasonable chance possibility that with regard to russian collusion Trump has just decided to take a mulligan. That, you know, let's let's pretend for a second that it did happen. But let's say it wasn't massive. Because Trump has actually uh, diminished it, you know, talking about how little money Russia spent on Facebook, uh, which was deceiving, by the way, typical of Trump. But the point is, he's acknowledged and tried to diminish some of the activities that Russia took on his behalf, which to me is consistent with this whole mulligan theory. So if Trump has convinced himself that it wasn't that big of a deal, what Russia did, and I would have won anyway, then that's half a step from it never really happened. That's half a step from I duck hooked my tee shot into the trees uh but that was because uh you know somebody's cell phone went off and so I'm going to um I'm going to retee and uh, I'm going to pretend that didn't happen. Now I'm going to hit it right down the middle and you know that first tee ball never existed and that's why I'm going to get a, you know make a par or a birdie on this hole. That's the way Trump's mind works. And that would actually explain a lot of his activity and reactions and Strategy with regard to dealing with Russia. Again, I have no way of knowing this is true, but I um, you know, I happened to put my father was visiting this weekend from Boston. My father's done a lot of, not a lot, but he did a significant amount of business with Trump back in the '80s. And he, I told him this theory, and he totally bought it. And he's like, "Oh, absolutely! This is the way Trump thinks. That's the way his mind works. If he doesn't like something that he did, it doesn't actually exist. It never happened." And so maybe that's what he's thinking with regard to Russian collusion. And that would explain a lot. So anyway, check out my column at freespeechbroadcasting.com. Um, you know, again, I don't come to any conclusions. I, I'm very open-minded about all of this. Uh, and, and I think we all ought to be more open-minded. Because I don't think we know yet. I, I think that there are two basic theories here. Mueller has a full house, and we're just waiting for him to, to flip over the cards. Or Mueller has a pair of threes and he's desperate for a hail mary and uh, for somebody to flip and, and give him something great uh, and and in lieu of that he's just going to do some face saving and you know basically say never mind you know this was this is all we got. I think those are two plausible scenarios that are, have obviously very different outcomes, and so um, check that out at freespeechbroadcasting I wrote another column uh, this week which was in USA Today, at least on their website, which I uh, told you about was in the works during last week's uh, podcast. And the um, this, this is typical in that the story behind the story is at least as important, maybe more so, than the story itself. And uh, the basics are this. I, I wrote a column about the Al Franken, Leanne Tweeden situation. And... I began this column a couple days before Thanksgiving because USA Today had said, hey, if uh, any of these uh, sex abuse situations uh, ever get your, your BS detector going, you know, this one. These go to 11. Right. If my BS detector went to 11, let them know. And, um, and the Al Franken and Leanne Tweeden story did just that. And so they said, okay, we'll write something up. And I did... And incredibly long story short, I ended up um, writing something, I think, a day or two before Thanksgiving. It, they went through it. was a very arduous editing process, but not insane. And, uh, you know, I was basically making the case that uh, Tweedon's story should not have been instantly believed. It was not vetted. There's a lot of problems with it. There's some photographic evidence of their interaction and her tweets about Franken post the event in, of the USO back in 2006, which are completely inconsistent with her, her uh, entire story. And, um, and that therefore, by the way, you also have to look with suspicion on the allegations that come out about bef- because of the tweedden story because because i truly believe and this is a big part of all of these sex abuse stories that once somebody gets labeled as an abuser and that changes the perception of them in the public and then everyone ever who's ever had any interaction with them automatically starts to revisit it and and things that happened many years ago get seen in a completely different light that might not be accurate. But anyway, I wrote the column and uh it was originally approved by the the uh, the guy who was my point man and he says to me, "All right, great. Um now I just need to have three women look at it to get their opinions." And I'm like, "What? Seriously?" And he was serious. He he was um he was basically terrified of this topic because you know you're not allowed to 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 differ from the convention of wisdom on this entire issue of sex abuse. You're not allowed to question somebody who has already been given the sanctity of being referred to as a victim because you know otherwise fever! Yeah, that's yeah, that's basically it. I mean that that's what happens whenever I uh try to to get to the bottom of one of these situations. Bless! She said it again. Yeah, that's that's where we are. I mean, it's a complete witch hunt now and you're not allowed even when you're trying to even as a conservative trying to defend a democrat. You 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 can't do it. I mean, I don't even like Al Franken even a little bit. And uh so this went through this extra layer of scrutiny these three unknown women. Uh one of them then one of the women then emails me and says, "John, can you can you prove to us that this photo from another USO event of the two of them joking around in 2009 is real? And I'm like, what? Seriously? I mean, no one's questioning this is her. Uh, it certainly looks like her. Not too many people look like her. It's a USO event. It's, it's Franken. I don't have a DNA test to prove it. Uh, and they were like, okay, well. And so that, that, that wasn't good enough for them. <laughs> so that, that delayed it over Thanksgiving. Over the Thanksgiving holiday, I then got a um, a a another article from a, a woman named uh Lisa, I think her name is, on Twitter, who's been really supportive. And she was able to show that through, through an old article from two thousand nine that Leanne Tweedon was in fact attending this event for the USO that honored Al Franken specifically, that Tweedon decided to go to and dress up for and go to in a city that she doesn't live in and joke around with with uh, franken and a non-candid photo and so um the reality is that uh i was able to prove that and i thought okay you know starting this week now we'll go with the article right now the column will run not so fast so monday comes and goes and i'm not getting a real strong explanation for what's going on they're they're making a couple of edits to the thing uh they tell me tuesday morning this will run tuesday morning comes and goes nothing And I'm not even getting a a solid answer as to why this thing isn't running. And part of it is because, my life being my life, my email, for some reason, was getting delayed. Like, I wasn't getting emails for like two or three hours until after they were sent, which was causing all sorts of crisscross communication and incredibly aggravating. But uh, so Tuesday comes and goes, and I have no idea why it's not running. Then they tell me, no, we'll do it Wednesday morning. Wednesday comes and now they've got more problems and now they're worried about this next accuser that came forward and I got to add something about that and it's it's just so clear they're terrified utterly terrified of the environment and the atmosphere involving this entire issue of sex abuse and it got to the the complete the point of complete absurdity when on Wednesday they said well okay we want to do this Thursday but um uh we need you to do a couple things we one thing we need to do can you prove to us that uh the the two accusers who came forward after Tweedon, who came forward anonymously that they're still anonymous i'm like what
0: it's just flat out ridiculous
1: how in the world do i possibly prove that any and that's still anonymous that's not possible that's, that's physically not, it's not even theoretically possible. You can't prove someone's still anonymous. How do I know whether or not they, they out of themselves on their Facebook page, for heaven's sakes? Well, somehow, I guess that problem got taken care of. But one problem did not get taken care of. And that is, one of the things that really kind of bothered me was that the story, the, the article, the, the opinion piece, the column, was, was kind of morphing into something that I had not written I mean, there were several lines in there that I'm like, where did that come from? And it was all to soften it and make sure it was, in their words, bulletproof. And in my words, you know, wussified. And uh, But the I I understand the way this game works. And so I decided to, to pick my battles. And I picked one battle, which was, all right, look, can we... I had put in something in there that I think had gotten taken out, or I just ne- really wanted it in there that... Look, the best way to explain these other accusers with this groping, and, and by the way, it's extraordinary that uh, Franken, who has been uh, you know, taking photographs with women as a celebrity comedian and as a senator for many, many years, in an era where everybody has a cell phone, everybody has a, the ability to take pictures and video at all times, has never been caught as a serial groper. Uh, of butts and breasts, it's remarkable. In fact, uh, one of the uh, accusers that came out this week—I I mean, just—it was like an onion piece, a you know, fake news, you know, parody news, where this—you uh, know—allegation from I think it was, uh, like, it was early 2000s or mid, maybe it was 2006, and it was on a USO trip, and supposedly uh, Franken had cupped the breast of this woman while taking a photograph. And the story actually was accompanied by a photograph. But Franken's hand's nowhere near her breast. And she's cheek to cheek with him with a full-on smile. And there's no indication she ever complained about this at the time or any, you know, told any... There's no proof of anything. And, and CNN even acknowledges in the article, yes, the photograph does not support her account. Well, then why are you doing the story? So anyway, but to me, the best way, the best way to, to handle this situation is to just simply explain the reality, which is that the reason why a lot of these allegations in, in this entire hysteria that's going on are old. Is one because those are more difficult to disprove. I mean, if you if you say something happened 12 years ago, how the hell, especially as a celebrity, are you supposed to disprove that? I mean, that that's that's inherently impossible. But there's another reason that's not nefarious, that doesn't include direct lies. It's because people's memories change. And and I wanted to put in something, just a one line that perceptions of old events. Can be altered when seen through the prism of a false Leanne Tweeden story, or at least a very misleading Leanne Tweeden story. And they refused to let me put that in there in the USA Today article. And again, this is not for the paper, this was just for the website. So it's not like there was a space concern. And they wouldn't let me do it. And I'm like, oh my God. So I just, at that point, I've been over a week of aggravation on this damn thing. I'm not even getting paid for this. It's probably never going to be in the newspaper because I know that they don't have the guts to put it in the paper. So I'm like, why, am, why did I even bother with this? This is just such a freaking waste of time. It's aggravating. In fact, the only reason why I went through with it was kind of just to prove the absurdity and the insanity of the entire situation. This, because this is what you have to go through For a conservative to rationally and logically and with facts that no one's looking at, defend a liberal Democrat. That used to be a slam dunk. They used to alley-oop the ball to you as a conservative if you wanted to defend a liberal Democrat, especially one that had theoretical presidential aspirations. (laughs) That's how insane the atmosphere is, the environment is right now. It's completely nuts. And so you know, it was published and, you know, it, it didn't go nearly as uh, widely as the uh, editor had, had predicted to me that, he, that it would. I mean, so they basically, they, they, everything they told me was a lie. I mean, they, they they told me it would go Tuesday, it didn't go Tuesday. They told me to go Wednesday, it didn't go Wednesday. They said, don't worry, relax, this will go and it will go big. That didn't happen either. Uh, so it was. It, I would have rather, if you had said, John, would you rather go through what you went through with USA Today or would you rather have Root Canal? I would have said, please give me the root canal. Please give me the root canal because it's just not worth it. And here's the bottom line of the Al Franken situation. I'm more convinced than ever that Leanne Tweeden story is at best misleading, if not a total lie. I mean, the photographs, the tweets that she put out five years later, nostalgically reminiscing about her uh, night with uh, Al Franken, tweeting a photograph of it mentioning nothing remotely wrong that occurred, the, her, the, the you know, Roger Stone tweeting about her story hours before it happened, her appearances on Sean Hannity, the fact that she's not really a news anchor, that she's just a, you know, a former swimsuit nude model who's now working at a lowly rated station in Los Angeles, KBC, all of that com- combined, all of that combined, uh, it just makes it amazing to me Amazing to me that this story has been accepted as true with no vetting, and it's the perfect example of the hysteria that we're now facing and all these incredibly dangerous new rules that are being created. Incredibly dangerous new rules. But what's interesting about this is that the rules are really impacting Democrats far more than they are Republicans, and the proof of that is what's going on with Roy Moore, There's a new poll out today in the Alabama Senate race that indicates 71% of Republicans who are likely to vote in the upcoming election there, where Roy Moore is running against Doug Jones, that 71% believe that the accusations of sexual abuse, harassment, dating, whatever how you want to refer to them as, that the allegations against Roy Moore are not true. 71% of Republicans. Now, that's extraordinary. <laughs> that's that's a really high <clears throat> percentage even of Republicans. But what's interesting about this is that Moore, much like Donald Trump, has taken a completely different tact on all of this. A completely different tact. <clears throat> We've seen that the Normal response, mostly by liberal medium people or people like Al Franken, is to immediately turtle, to go into your shell and apologize and you know, and not attack your accuser. And you've got to say, oh, I respect the victims. And if that's what they think happened, then I need to, I need to accept that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Trump. And Roy Moore, who you could argue are the two people who have survived, at least so far, accusations that would have torpedoed anybody else in the political or the media realm, that part of why, a large part of why they have survived is they took the exact opposite tact, which is basically two middle fingers in the air. And they lie, in my opinion. They distract. They attack. They blame the news media. And that works, but that only works if you're a Republican. See? It doesn't work if you're a Democrat. See, Al Franken can't defend himself because to do so would be to criticize a victim, a female victim. Even though there might not be a female victim, you can't criticize as a Democrat because your base won't accept that as legitimate. So you're screwed, no matter what, because... You can't attack the credibility of your accusers. You must accept them. And then if you try to take the high road and apologize, you're guilty. <laughs> <laughs> so Roy Moore understands, at least, you know what? I might be guilty as hell, but as long as they go, screw you, screw you, screw you, lie, 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 um, and distract, distract, blame the media, then uh, it's all going to be okay. I mean, the Washington Post got a huge vindication of their original Roy Moore report this week because the Project Veritas, the the James O'Keefe organization, tried to do a sting operation on the Post and feed them a fake accuser story involving Roy Moore. And the Post didn't buy it. And they killed the scam. They killed the sting. Of course, you know, another subplot to this whole thing is that keith won't be harmed by this because he just you know he'll, he'll do the same thing lie 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 attack 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 distract 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 and his cult following will stay with him because a cult will cult that's what cults do that's where the money is now get yourself a cult because they won't think for themselves that's the reality i love the poorly educated that's the reality of this whole situation and um It's sad. It's pathetic. But that's the truth. And, you know, Roy Moore is probably more guilty than most of these guys being accused. I don't know this for a fact. I realize they're very old allegations. I get that. And I get that they're timed politically. But the Washington Post did some really legitimate reporting. And the fact that they didn't fall for a scam, I think is is significant. I mean, I I am exceedingly aware of a very similar situation in the Penn State Sandusky case where that fake accuser not only wasn't found out, years and hundreds of meetings later was not found out, and that there's enormous amounts of evidence that uh, they they bought hook, line, and sinker, uh, despite a ridiculous story that this person was telling the truth. But the Post didn't do that with the Roy Moore accuser, and I thought that was very interesting. But it now looks like, and it's going to be close, but the odds are that Roy Moore is going to win, which is just amazing. When you think of the environment we're in, all the hysteria, all this going down, all these people having their careers destroyed instantaneously, and I'll get to Matt Lauer shortly, but instantaneous, long-time careers, Charlie Rose brought down immediately, catastrophically. In, we've never seen an environment like this. In this environment, Roy Moore is somehow not only going to survive, but there's a reasonably good chance he's going to win. That's just amazing. And it's, a large part of it is because of the Trumpification of the Republican Party. Because as a Republican, as long as you have a you know, large enough base, and in Alabama that can easily be done, you have a large enough base – You can get away with this. And it's really sickening to me as a guy who believes in truth and believes in respecting people and is married with two young daughters. You see, to me, if you're innocent, you ought to be able to fight for your innocence based upon facts and logic and fairness, not with lies and deceit and distractions and blaming people like in the media who are not necessarily to blame in this particular situation. So it really bugs me that the the person who is likely to survive this is also the one who least deserves it. Not to mention he's a nut job to begin with. That's my biggest problem with Roy Moore. He doesn't belong in the Senate because he's nuts. Not because 40 years ago, he liked teenage girls too much. So this is the crazy upside down world we're living in. All right. Now, uh, we are going to do two hours of this particular podcast. I'm, I'm calling an audible. Uh, since it's still football season, uh, but for different reasons. We're not going to have a guest, which I'll explain in hour number two, but I still need to get to the Matt Lauer situation, the Greg Schiano circumstance, maybe some college football playoff, Tiger Woods all of a sudden, uh, and I'll also, as I said, explain uh, why we don't have a guest this particular week, which might be the most interesting thing I have to say in hour number two, but we'll see. So uh, that's it for hour number one doing things a little bit differently this week. As always, I ask only two things of you. Make sure you uh, share this uh, podcast via social media, Facebook, Twitter, or just word of mouth, what have you. That's uh, much appreciated. And number two, do yourself a favor. And if you're one of those people who sleeps, and when you sleep, you use sheets, please pay attention to this important message. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is FreespeechBroadcasting.com.
0: Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed, ever. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. (laughs) (laughs) Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. sleepcoolnow.com, 1212.